Hi there. This is Stephanie Pache from Red Carpet Reports in the room with, and today we're speaking with Lindsay Lanzalotta and Natalie Whalen from the Film Arcade. We also have my co-host Jordan Aquino, who's also the host of the New Mexico Women in Films Ready Set Film New Mexico. And um, we're going to be talking about indie films and digital platforms and distribution, something that everyone wants to know. And it's changing so fast. Um, we brought the experts in to tell you about what they're doing and what's happening in the industry. So I will ask um, Lindsay to give us a little bit more um, about her background right now. So Lindsay, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Stephanie and Jordan. Thank you for having us here today. Uh, Natalie and I are very excited. Uh, this is actually our first co-podcast together. So we're, we're, we're hopefully gonna hand it off well uh, with each other. Um, uh, I, my background is I'm an independent film producer um, and as well as now the head, head of aggregation at the Film Arcade Carousel. Um, the Film Arcade has been a proper North American theatrical distribution company for a number of years that Natalie's been running. And, uh, and now we are offering through Carousel the, an arm that distributes, service distributes for independent films, which uh, for, I know that you're, this is very much like a teaching uh, a podcast, so I right. want to make sure that I'm clear on what that that is. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'll, I'll I'll break it down. Thank so you. if you have a film um, and you do not have, you're not able to distribute distribute it, and or do not want to distribute it with someone like um, Netflix or um, uh, you know any of the large streamers that you've heard of or the normal channels of like you've gone to a film festival with your film and your film didn't sell to one of those big companies and you're left with your film and you want it and you want to know what you should do with it or you want to control your film because you know how you want it to be marketed best we help service and guide you through that process so we have been doing this for larger studios for an for a number of years through the film arcade and now we've decided to offer it as an aggregation service as well as a distribution service because if you want a theatrical release or an awards qualifying release or any release of any kind we can help design that with you and we are there to let you take the lead on that and the control of it um, with our expertise advice from our, my colleagues, as well as from vendors that we have used in the past that are experts in their area. So that you're guided in a way that your money won't be spent in a, um, in a way that you don't know where every cent is going. Because when you do pass on your film with a distributor of any kind, um, when they have, they decide their own distribution expenses for the most part, which you have no control in. So therefore, when you're a small film, and you see, and you know your audience, you have a niche audience, you're, you often have the most valuable uh, input in releasing your film that should not be ignored. Therefore, if you wanna have some control and also you're, you yourself as a filmmaker are not necessarily an expert in marketing as I, Natalie and I are not an expert of where to put something on Facebook. We, you know, we don't know, we, but we work with professionals that help and guide filmmakers how how to do this in the most effective and effective way for, to get it out there, but also cost-effective way. 
That's a good point. So um, can you tell me as a filmmaker, and I have a film, let's say it's about um, cats. Do I, and <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> yeah, everybody <laughs> wants it. Right. Yeah. Um, am I, as the filmmaker, am I going to, you know, come to you and say, you know what, I, I think this would really play well on Nat Geo or some other platform because they have other cat videos or are you looking more um, for them to not be so focused on where that audience is or should they know where their audience is gonna be found to offer suggestions? Uh, well, I mean, obviously if there's, if it's somewhere we think that we could reach out to or we could help you reach out to or right. also if we think that's not a good idea, just because we know something that's currently going on in the marketplace. I mean, we're definitely there to advise on that. Like, I mean, maybe your, your cat movie should, you know, um, be, uh, you know, pitched to an AVOD and, and that's the best place for it because, you know, cat movies are all the rage over there right now or something like, right, right, you know, right. we're, we're, we're certainly open to helping you find what that is. I think a lot of people think that their movie belongs on Netflix. Let's be honest. Everyone thinks right. because any movie has ever played on Netflix, but currently uh, Netflix may not be looking for those kind of movies anymore. And hopefully we could try and, you know, get a beat on that from what's going on. Like I, every time we work with a movie, I have to call our vendors again and ask like, what's the new latest and greatest because things are changing all the time. Like, right. you know, how, I mean, how long ago did, did, was TikTok even a part of marketing? You know, like, I mean, so mm -hmm. to say that valuable dollars would be spent for uh, this movie on advertising on TikTok, mm -hmm. uh, like, and I'm not necessarily an expert on TikTok, but definitely the vendors that we use would be. So, right, um, right. so it's, it's, it really is very like kind of up to the minute because just because also a vendor had something. Sorry. No problem. <laughs> I'll probably have a barking dog too. Also, just to add um, to what Lindsay was saying, we do like to look at the big picture too. So we've been having conversations with filmmakers in all different stages. Some of them, you know, haven't even, they're just finishing their film. They haven't even started the festival circuit and want guidance with that and the entire process. Other ones, um, there's a film that we've been speaking to that, you know, has had it up on one platform for a couple of years, but wants to do another release. Um, and when we come in early, we like to look at the big picture and make sure that the filmmaker knows that we can window the release section so that they can get, um, you know, the best financial return possible as well as reach the largest audience. So a lot of times it might be, okay, well, let's put, you know, some of your money behind marketing and have it go for a larger price on iTunes and Amazon, the big ones at first. And then later, you know, we could do a license deal to stars or Nat Geo, something like that. But usually you want to take advantage of your audience that will pay to see your film, get it to them first, and then, uh, you know, expand that audience, put it at AVOD, put it on different platforms. Um, so we really like to come in and just walk the filmmakers through the entire process because um, a lot of filmmakers in the past might have just handed off their film to a distributor, but we try to come in and really walk them through it because we do distribution for ourselves. We're also filmmakers, we kind of do everything. So we walk them through all the different aspects um, and try and teach them, but also just put them in the best position so that they will have the best financial return, also reach the audience they want. And, you know, a lot of these films do have messages behind it. Um, so we try to just kind of lift them and create as big of a platform as possible.
Yeah, because I mean, to jump on what Natalie said, it's very daunting feeling like you're alone in that process too. Or like, and like I said, we don't have to be a last resort. We can be a first resort. It all depends on how much you want to control your message and the size of your film and what's best for your film. Uh, you should plan for this as early as possible. Like you should, I am implore uh, people making independent films to put this in as a line item in your budget to at minimum be able to aggregate and promote your film at, in some way. And I'm happy to have that conversation. So as Natalie, we're happy to have that conversation as early as possible with someone about how much at that time that you're about to make your film, you should put aside. Mm -hmm. um, just as much as you should have dis uh, insurance for your film, you should have distribution insurances, which is what I call it. Because right. um, therefore uh, you have options and those options are for you and your executive producers to decide whether you be your executive producer yourself and you're paying for your film or not. Like it's really just good to know that this is actually a hard cost in filmmaking. Absolutely. And you um, work with films that have a budget up to, I think, $2 million. Is that correct? Yeah. I, I mean, we don't really cap it, meaning like okay. we would take independent films that are higher. Um, we've had people reach out to us that have higher budget. So um, yeah, I mean, it varies. We were just centering in on trying to help films that are smaller that right. so they're not taking deals where they're sitting behind, like, you know, giving the rights of, of their film away for 15 years for, you know, no minimum guarantee of any amount of dollars and sitting behind marketing costs. I mean, the, the problem is with very small films is a lot of them don't have any money to mm -hmm. actually even market themselves. So part of this is an education, just as right. you're educating people in New Mexico, we're <laughs> educating the industry of independent film that this is something that you should guard with and for the foreseeable future, even holding on to a piece of your contingency. Mm -hmm. um, if you looking at that, which is a line item in everyone's budget, which is sometimes not big enough and sometimes it is. And like, but obviously if you know that some of that is earmarked there that you're not allowed to touch, you'd really have to think about it before you touched it, mm -hmm. you know? So what are some of the common misconceptions that independent filmmakers have about distribution? I would say the first one that just pops to my mind because it comes up so often is um, filmmakers think that these large companies like Netflix and Hulu, that they're just taking everything and giving you a large chunk of money um, when that's not necessarily what it currently is at. Um, they're making, all the streamers are making a lot of their own content and they also have a large library of content already. So a lot of the licensing fees are not very high. And, you know, there's multiple situations where there's a film, we actually did sell one of our past films um, to a streamer and, you know, they take the rights for in perpetuity. So they have your film forever. Whereas like other times we've licensed them and, you know, it's been an 18 month window, but a very small fee. Um, so just a lot of people, usually the first question is, can you get it to Netflix? Will Netflix just take it? Um, and we're just trying to educate them on as great as it is to have your film on Netflix or on a streamer, there are so many other ways to reach audiences too and to get it in the right hands. Um, so yeah, we're just trying to help educate people that there are so many different options. So is there um, a minimum, if I'm, you know, I'm a first time filmmaker and um, trying to figure out costs, what is the percentage that you recommend out of, let's say my budget is $100,000, what would you recommend my budget being for um, distribution, marketing, those um, line items? 
Well, I, I would have to say there's a few things that you would analyze about assets for your film, like what kind of film it is. Um, and, uh, and really, I, I could give you like a simple number, like you should have at least this much to aggregate your film with a little bit of promotion, like probably like $10,000, you should probably put aside. Um, but in actual fact, I think usually I would try and push people to put at least 20 aside, uh, which is a lot for a $100,000 film. But I think you really need to look at the realities, of, I mean, of, of you making a film and whether it's going to sit in your living room or not, or if it's going to be in some sort of art gallery out there where someone can pay and have the opportunity to pay for it. And also whether you are a person and a filmmaker that is going to take it all the way. Meaning like, are you going to be exhausted when this is done and just wish a distributor had taken it and have to get a job and, um, and on to the next and not going to have the actual physical time to promote this film yourself, even though you're, you're great at it. Like, I, you know, I mean, you have to just have like a realistic conversation with yourself about what kind of filmmaker you are because not everyone is made to do all of the distribution part of their film and marketing. And I've talked to filmmakers that are like, you know, getting their own publicity because they're amazing at it, right? Like, and then there's other people that are like, I don't know who to call and they don't know how, to, they don't have the skills or desire to do that, right? So it will exhaust you. So therefore you have to have an honest conversation about whether your film should be made for $100,000 or $80,000 plus 10,000 for distribution. Like it really, is a hard conversation to have. I know this, Natalie knows this. We're independent filmmakers that hate cutting budgets and that's like what we're doing all the time, right? So, but you really need to be prepared. Like I think is like, so that you can exercise this option. Right, and um, so as you point out, this is something you have to think about at the beginning because that is the commitment of you and your film where is it going to be seen? What is your plan for it? And you have to understand what that is. And this is a business of show, not a business of tell, showing, sharing with your friends and thinking it'll take off, mm -hmm. right? So um, in, in your experience with films, what are the, I hate to even say this or ask this question, but what's the best genre right now to create a film in to get it distrib um, distributed like with Not, yeah like cat videos no just <laughs> no like horror because i see different things you know so many people are looking for horror scripts and these you know action and mm -hmm. and what have you and with covid i know that kind of puts a damper on mm -hmm. some of the things that you would want to do as an independent filmmaker but um what uh what are you seeing some good pathways to um a little more success than just, oh, I made a film and nobody's picking it up. And it's because nobody cares about that genre. Uh, I actually was recently talking to someone in a studio about this um, because they obviously have a lot more data than we do. And um, one of the things they're telling me because I asked them the same question, you know, what in your guys' experience, because independent is different than the larger studios, um, what is their experience? Um, and they are still saying that action is doing really well, um, which I think, you know, it will continue to do, especially as everyone's from home, everyone wants something exciting to watch and we can't leave our houses, we can't go on adventures, so we wanna watch it happen. Um, 
you know, thriller and horror, I think they do well as long as it's good, which is so hard to say, but you know, there's the stale horror everyone has seen before. And then there's something unique and that will always perform well, something that surprises people and gets people to talk about it. So something that can generate word of mouth, um, comedy as well continues to do well. I think what we're seeing in quarantine is um, drama definitely and like sadder stories are a little harder right now because a lot of people are already struggling and they don't want to sit and watch, you know, another film that is really weighing them down. Um, but I think the good thing is there's always different timing windows um, and figuring out a key part of your release is just releasing it at the right time. Um, but I would say, you know, Oh, if it's a film you're passionate about making, go ahead and do it. Um, but yes, definitely like action comedies, they'll always continue to do well. People do love documentaries as well. They continue to have a heyday. Um, but yeah, the heartbreaking ones are just a little harder at this exact moment in time. Yeah, yeah de I definitely things that end on a lighthearted, mm -hmm. like hopeful thing, like even even like a, a horror thriller ending where it's not like, oh my God, the end of the world, you know, would probably be more likely to be picked up right now than, mm -hmm. uh, than not, I would mm -hmm. say. I, I had um, watched some, uh, a short that's also in the Santa Fe Film Festival, but, and I didn't want to watch it because I saw the title and it was a COVID related short. And I'm like, uh, I don't want to, but it was actually about inspirational stories of how, you know, people faced COVID and made a positive thing. Like um, here in Albuquerque, they had a, a car parade for a differently abled person who, you know, it was his birthday and they, the neighbors are all were sitting in their driveways in their, you know, um, chairs and talking to neighbors yelling across the road while over a hundred cars came by to wish this person, you know, um, happy birthday. And so that film, you know, explored all of the nice things that have come out from COVID. So it wasn't so bad. So I do get, get your point because I, do, I don't want to screen or watch something that's going to depress mm -hmm. me <laughs> while I'm locked alone in my house with my dogs who can't. Yeah, which I think really goes back to word of mouth. Like what people are, you know, like texting each other and like trying to stay connected and somewhat. And if you watch a movie that makes you feel something like somewhat positive, even if it's like a really fun ride that of like a thriller, psychological thriller or whatever. Um, if it's going to get someone to pick up their phone and like me text Natalie, did you see that yet? Like, right. you know, and then her be like, yeah, I just talked to eight of my friends and they've all seen it. Yeah. So. Right. Yeah. And I see that, you know, you'll see threads on social media who, you know, I'm looking for, you know, a movie or something to watch and I'd like to have it romantic or whatever. And you see people throwing those um, films out, especially things that you haven't seen. So I'm finding myself going, oh, I didn't know about that one. So, you know, you're right about word of mouth. That does help. Um, but you don't get word of mouth and you don't get that level of visibility if you don't put some marketing in the front. Correct? I mean, yeah. And also like film is all about escape too, right? And escapism. So um, like if you can find a way to do that to film that in your living room or also if you're a filmmaker that is in um you know France like people definitely want to see uh something outside of your living room so you know like it's uh the opportunity will continue to be there like COVID or post-COVID it's just that obviously 
you know, content is ramp rampantly needed right now. Right. So do you um, only distribute films or do you do series too, like a docu-series or, you know, um, a limited series mm -hmm. or, you know, well, we, we do short films uh -huh. as well as films like with Film Arcade Carousel, we'll aggregate and we'll also aggregate older titles that Natalie like mentioned before. When you when you get your the rights of your film back too, we can also do aggregation for you as well, um, which wouldn't necessarily mean that you'd want to do like some huge like splashy campaigns. It's very minimal cost to that, which is also something that everyone should think about with their films period too, uh, uh, that they're going to need to do that at some point when they receive your film back from any kind of deal. Um, aside from that with independent television series we haven't done anything oh, okay. like that yet uh i mean uh the other company that we work with uh cold iron pictures is involved in independent television but not distributing it yet oh okay okay because um i i talked to some docu um producers and they're you know it's do i do this as a series a docu series or do i do it as a film right and then they hear, you know, someone, I don't want to use the N word, Netflix, um, says they'll pay more for a docuseries over a documentary. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, these are, it gets confusing whenever filmmakers are like, I'm trying to make something mm -hmm. that's going to get distributed that people are going to like. And then, um, you know, I found that I, I thought I just had enough for like a documentary, but as mm -hmm. I got into it, now it's hours and hours more. Mm -hmm. So now I want to make it a, a series, a docu-series. Docu-series do perform really well. Um, we haven't done them yet because we are a very new company too. Right, right. Cool, I mean, the film market has been around for a long time, but um, this service arm carousel has only been around about a year um, because we've been doing service deals, like Lindsay said, with studios. We've been releasing our own films that we paid MGs for. Um, and it just kind of came about from being in the industry and seeing so many films that we love not getting great deals that we oh, wanted sure. to basically be the option to be like, okay, well, if we can do it for a studio, we can just, you know, shrink it and do it for an independent filmmaker as well and give them the same level of service. Um, but, you know, even though we haven't done a docuseries yet, I would say we would always explore everything too, because we can usually get pretty much anything done. Um, it's just not something we've done yet. That's um, true. I, I think we're we're definitely open, right? <laughs> yeah. And if there is enough content that I think warrants a whole show, I would say it's really just do whatever is best for the project. If you were trying to create more episodes and you know it really would be better as a two-hour documentary or something like that, then you know there's your answer. But if to actually delve into the whole issue as documentaries usually are you know, quite complex, then yes, open it up. And the good thing about there being different platforms and things not being just on television now are there aren't those old brackets of you have to fit in an hour and a half time slot with commercial mm -hmm. breaks. Mm -hmm. um, you can really, you can have different size episodes. You can have a different length. Um, I just say do whatever is best for the content and the story. Um, and if the story works, um, buyers can be adaptable. So what kind of, what are the criteria that you look at whenever somebody's come to you for help with, you know, their distribution of their project? Um, like the criteria of the film, like what well, they should have. Um, what are some of the prepared? things that you need to have, you, you look for whenever somebody's come to you um, with their project? Well, I mean, on a very, yeah, on a very base level, we, we, you know, we like to 
look at whether it would pass for quality control too because independent films they need to you know they still need to be able to pass for sound and picture quality and all of that and I mean for the most part we don't really we haven't really interacted with films that haven't been done in a pretty professional manner it doesn't mean that you wouldn't have some quality control issues that would need to be corrected but it's definitely something that we that we look for um we also you know we are looking for underrepresented films as well um it's a you know a, a personal and professional goal for the company that we'd like to try and help as many prop up as many filmmakers that um feel like they you know they they don't have a home for their film but it's also because you know they haven't had the resources or possibilities which is why we like to be so transparent and like why on our website my email is there and our phone number is there it's the whole idea is that you're supposed to be able to get in touch with us it's not supposed to be some wall of like you need an agent to call us Mm -hmm. so um but yes, I mean, it's some of those base things. Yeah. Right. No, that's that's good to know because I think part of the mystery of what happens after I made my film um, is that they think that you have to now wait for you know either somebody to call you or your agent can go shop it around or whatever. I don't know that they or they don't even have an agent mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they don't know you know where to go. So do you partner with um, film festivals or how do you get the word out about um, what you guys offer and how this is a benefit to um, independent filmmakers. We have contacts at a lot of film festivals just from playing our own films at them. Um, so, you know, last year during quarantine, um, we just emailed a lot of the festivals that we've worked with that we've played with at the past, you know, larger film festivals to smaller festivals like Napa and different ones and just emailed all of them. Um, just saying, you know, here's a little bit of information. I hope you guys are all able to do virtual fest this year, um, if not in-person ones. And if you have any filmmakers that tell you they're looking for a home, we'd love to connect with them. Um, so we kind of just went through the, the programmers um, to reach film festivals. And then also as film festivals have started to come back or play virtually, um, we've just been reaching out to filmmakers. Um, like one of the films that we're working with um, played at film festivals in Lindsay found them and connected that way. So we're pretty good at reaching out to people um, because we do just, we go to a lot of film festivals, we watch a ton of movies. um, And if there's something, um, you know, that sparks our interest or we see a filmmaker or a film that should be seen, we usually just reach out. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's interesting because you do watch a lot of film. (laughs) You do, are you surfing the uh, Film Freeway website? (laughs) I'm very familiar with that one yes (laughs) in the submitter and the watcher for many years um so is it would you say you reach out more than people reach out to you um to get help I don't know I think a lot of people are still learning about what we're doing Right. right so it's a lot and to be honest as you know we've mentioned COVID a few times uh it's been a real challenge um not having that opportunity to, you know, uh, walk by someone at a film festival or just, you know, naturally meet from, you know, Natalie being out with, you know, some of her like colleagues from, from old jobs or anything, you know what I mean? Like that whole like natural networking is, is so strange that, uh, you know, I've been using it as an opportunity also then to, you know, pivot and like obviously reach out to people at, you know, cold reach out to people, which I don't mind doing at all. Uh, but it's one of those things that it's like, you know, you need to 
have a conversation because we've never right. met in person. So it's right. like, it's a, you know, it's, it's a time consuming process, but it's also, at least it's, you know, having connecting with people at a time where it feels like the connection is, is quite distant. You know? Right. And we've had many phone calls too, where sometimes, you know, it's hard to tell too where the film is at, um, you know, distribution wise or rights wise. So we've had so many conversations too, where, you know, we might get on the call and find out that they're selling a certain amount of rights or they have these offers. And a lot of the time we're usually just walking them through and giving them our our opinions, even if, you know, they don't always end up with us, but we're kind of just trying to be there also to be a guide and give our own opinions. And, you know, we've been through the process so many times. We know what to warn people of. We, and we can also connect them with um, agents. Like a lot of people we've spoken to don't have um, sales reps for foreign. So just connecting them, giving them names and telling them, you know, what are normal prices and what prices you may be, be taken advantage of at. Um, so a lot of it too is just us having a lot of calls with filmmakers and watching a lot of their movies and giving them our opinions and then you know reconnecting with them a couple months later after they've taken some of our advice and mm. want to move in different directions or take the next step. Yeah which is why we started offering like more of an a la carte menu for consulting services because we were mm -hmm. like well I guess you know there's a lot of questions that have come up from people that were like okay well then if you want us to come on and be like your film festival advisor, then we can try and do that early on. And then if you don't aggregate with us and you sell at Sundance, great. But also I'll still advise you to keep that money put aside for if you need to aggregate with someone or with us that you would um, have it and you could, you know, spend it on celebrating instead or give it back to your investor. <laughs> Yay. Uh, so when is the best time for a filmmaker to engage with you? Oh, I mean, I would say as early as possible, like if, like in regards to like planning, right? you, you absolutely should. And they're also like, we do offer like an early discounted fee if you want to make this as part of your actual plan, because if you are a smaller film and you know that this is what you want to do and you want to control it and you want to plan it, maybe you have a, a huge master plan of how it's going to have interwoven promotion with the film while you're making it. I mean, some films don't warrant that and you want to wait. Um, but we, yeah, we can be part of it as early as possible. If not, I, then I would absolutely entertain the conversation as early as possible with your, with your um, executive producers so that they understand this is an option, not, a, mm -hmm. not an option of Grim Reaper, like right. it's not, it's just not. Like it really right. is a control thing mm -hmm. where for smaller films, you actually can, can market properly and not just sit behind mm -hmm. other uh, marketing dollars and that's like that's a it's a real thing like if you don't find the right partner for your film then you should you should build that team like we're there to be helpful mm -hmm. with that team and so your executive producer understanding that too is is very important I think mm -hmm. so um you know as a filmmaker I'm at a festival and I don't get picked up and now I'm struggling to wow now what am I going to do <laughs> My, you know, my friends and family all thought I was going to get picked up at Sundance. But um, so now I'm looking around for distributors and there's so many people out there that um, charge more for their services um, or not the best option. And so I think that um, it maybe turns people off. So not understanding where you play um, can cost you more at the end. Is that a, a good assessment. So 
um, if I have, if I haven't planned and I'm now finding myself in a place where I really needed distribution, I, ex you know, mm -hmm. expected that the whole team thought it was going to happen. And we only banked on one play, not, we didn't have a plan B mm -hmm. or a plan C or a plan mm -hmm. Z. What are, how many options does somebody have at that point to recoup and try to ride the wave maybe they were like the runner-up for a festival or something and and just didn't get picked i think at that point um that's usually where we come in and then just talk people through it and talk about you know there are so many different options and we can work with any budget we will obviously recommend what would be best for your film which would be okay if you can pull together a little more money to put into marketing because um, you know, sometimes filmmakers are amazing and they really put in the sweat equity um, as we do reaching out to different people, posting about their film, but there also is a difference between um, if you do ads on social media that are like geo-targeting the right people, right. then you're guaranteed to reach people. Whereas, you know, with the algorithms, it is hard of just posting stuff to really find people. Um, but we really, I mean, we'll work with any budget um, and we usually will back into, like Lindsay always says, we we will back into your budget. So we'll tell you our plans, what we would love to do with your film and maybe financially it's not possible, but what are cheaper alternatives? What can we cut or what can we do ourselves with manpower to cut these costs? Um, and the nice thing too is you can start seeing money back because you get a larger percentage of the back end once people start viewing it. So if you can afford a couple months of a little bit of social media or putting in a lot of the energy yourself, later when you start getting money back, um, you can continue to put it in. And as we've told filmmakers, it's not like a theatrical release where your film is out March 12th and it is in theaters for two weeks. Mm -hmm. It's um, an ongoing process. Your film will continue to be available on these platforms and you can continue to market it. There's no end to campaigning and pushing the success of your film. Um, and a lot of times we're flexible with our releases. so something's not working, let's pivot. Let's try something else. Something is working, let's throw more energy into that and continue to just kind of be creative um, and help them be successful. And, you know, if it means that they need to see some money back before they continue to try other things, that works too. Right. I, I've, I've interviewed a lot of um, independent filmmakers, especially recently. And I'm uh, during COVID, it seems like it was, run and gun it was one guy shooting with you know doing mm -hmm. audio doing everything because they had one covid restrictions or didn't have people that could go yeah. um on those shoots uh so you know even filmmakers who everybody did it for free and they produced a feature film you know what how do you convince these independent filmmakers that the business side needs to be um addressed <laughs> because they're artists a lot of them are artists and don't understand the business side with that um i mean it usually just <laughs> a conversation we were at cold iron pictures we worked with so many talented directors um some in early stages of their career some in you know who were very accomplished by the time we worked with them and i think everything is just a conversation um and hearing their concerns hearing their feelings because also like your film is your baby it is a right. very emotional process and it's scary to give it away to someone, which is also why we're here to work with people and not 
you know, have them feel that they need to give their thumb away for 15 years for, especially, or if you're a financier and you've invested and it's hard to, you know, you might get an MG offer of 10,000 or something small when the film costs $100,000. So we're kind of here to talk them through all the different options. We've had many years of experiences and usually are quoting them multiple times or we've worked with someone they've connected with or are in conversations with. Um, but it really is just a conversation because it is such a personal process and it really depends on the film. Um, and we can give them our input just based on the film and what their concerns are and what like their goals are for the release. Mm -hmm. I really, Stephanie, I, like obviously Natalie and I talk about this, this all the time um, and, and talked about it as we were trying to build the ideas for the company. And, you know, we're filmmakers ourselves and I'm still sitting there with a budget that I was working on last night going, I guess I should put in that distribution cost for this <laughs> film and trying to figure that out. Like, okay. it's not easy. Right. I get it. Like, I think we get it firsthand. And I actually, and from years of not including it, I repel it myself as a filmmaker. You're like, no, I refuse. I will sell this movie. This movie is going to this place or that place. And it will definitely be in a festival after years. But the whole idea is to put that in reserve. I'm not saying you're going to spend it. You can stay hopeful, like those conversations. And again, it, for some movies, this is actually like, a really great plan and you should plan it out and have this as being part of it because your film is small and then if like the magic happens of you're the one of one in you know 10 that sells at Sundance for eight million dollars or whatever like then great you know I right. mean these are wonderful problems to have but in your execution like you were saying it's it's show business it's a business like and I think very early on I learned and which got me really into budgeting with producing like how important it was to know where every dollar is spent, right? And mm -hmm. so if you can't just ignore that because you're a great artist, like you just, like you can't, there, every great artist got, a, got their art out there because someone on their team was a great businessman if it wasn't them. So like, you just have to listen to some of the business part of it. I hate mm -hmm. to say it, but it is part of it. And in fact, you can't eat without money. So therefore <laughs> you need to make money, right? right. Like- Exactly. Uh, <laughs> we're not, yeah. and we're trying to help we're trying to help that not to add more stress to the process actually try to alleviate something so that you're not faced with you know the artistic mm -hmm. devastation you feel when your film doesn't have a home and right. we have also pre-negotiated a lot of deals um so things like social media publicity everything we've actually just creating a poster um we basically went to the vendors that we work with at the film arcade for our larger theatrical releases and basically just struck up a deal of okay this is what we're doing and all of them are very interested in and passionate about um independent film we're like okay but we're gonna be working with films that don't have much money so what is the bare minimum you can charge them um so the nice thing is too we've already done the legwork of pre-negotiating so that if it is someone who still needs a poster, still needs a trailer, we can connect them with our person, but make sure they're paying a lot less so that you can really just stretch your small budget as far as possible. I, I think what you're doing is really fantastic. Um, 12 years ago, uh, one of our um, divisions uh, that supported web series, um, we had a distribution platform just to put your, you know, web series on YouTube. Mm -hmm. We just made a page for the show and put all the episodes in and let it, 
and had the creator monetize, you know, through YouTube. So they got the views off of our platform and they got the money directly to them. Um, but we did that. And we also started web series chat on Twitter, which was, you know, hashtag. So people every Tuesday, we would mm -hmm. have conversations about the business side. And at one point we had um, someone share that they had been contacted by another website platform that you know did entertainment um, videos and what have you. And they actually didn't realize that they took their videos, scraped them, and they were making all the money from people. And there's also like 15 ads on a page. So you know those websites that yeah. you go and that takes forever to load up. And you know, and back then we're trying to, you know, show people this is not the, you know, th this is not good for you. It's not mm -hmm. benefiting you as the filmmaker, as the, you know, the creative. And so to see how things have changed and how um, you have that um, consultative approach to helping, this is your film, here are the unique parts of your film, that th these are the things that you need for your film because it is individual, it's not for one person, mm -hmm. but you're also protecting them from making a mistake like letting somebody take their content and not even know that they're not getting any money from it. You know, so I, I think that's so important, um, especially as more as things change for distribution um, and and for the smaller films. Mm -hmm. So what is the smallest film budget you guys have worked with? And let's say overall, their film was overall X dollars. That's um, uh, well, one of the ones I've been talking to that's the smallest that's come to us that mm -hmm. is thinking about raising the money for it, it was around 25000 So, um, and there was, an, I, there was another one that I actually was kind of hotly pursuing if it didn't land somewhere because it sounded so great. Um, I hadn't seen it yet, but it was festivaling. Um, and I think it was made for somewhere between twenty five and fifty in total. So, yeah, a, a few of them have been really... Um, you know, they could find their own like niche audiences. So like I thought, thought they were very cool, well done, never would have known they were done for that budget. Well, one of them, you might've known that a little more, but it was like a little, you know, a little more like schlocky culty. So like, it would have been fine. You know, like, I mean, I think all of them had, um, you know, good, like, like I said, those good QC qualities as well about them, even in their small, small sort of like contained la landscape of the film but yeah I mean th they're really small like I was shocked that one of them was that price tag so you know they made it over a bunch of weekends for like a year which is crazy oh you're on mute Stephanie <laughs> thank you um are short films good to um distribute as well as a feature-length film or you know are they successful um out there making money back for the filmmakers? So there's a couple different ways to do shorts. Um, we've actually been approached before. We didn't end up doing it because um, a lot of times too, we'll start the process, start the conversations, and then you know the best case scenario happens for the filmmaker where they then do receive a distribution deal because also as filmmakers you know, who have experiences are aware, selling your film also, it takes many months. It's not a week where everyone responds, it takes buyers many, many weeks, many months sometimes to watch your film. Uh, so there's one we were in conversations with um, that was a bunch of shorts that we were gonna put together though. 
Um, so it would be kind of around the length of a feature. So then someone could pay, you know, the feature $3.99 or something like that and receive multiple. Um, for short films, we also, because they're shorter, um, we charge um, a much smaller fee for that. Um, and we've also considered um, working with student films too, because I personally went to film school and remembered making um, a short film. And then I didn't, I didn't realize that, you know, buyers aren't really trying to actively pay you for short films um, always. Uh, so we want to work with short films too and be able to help them put them up so that people can still see their films. Um, and we do just charge a lot less. And I think if we do receive films that correlate, we will also stack them together. It just really depends on um, if there are other similar films um, that we have at the moment that can be connected. Okay, now this may be a strange question, but, and it may be a trend that you know about and I was just learning about, but how about um, people who make a short because they don't have the funds to make it a feature and they mm -hmm. hope that someone will see that short, like it and want to then say, yeah, here, let me help you make this a feature. Is that something that, that you see a lot? all the time? Okay. Um, it's not a film that we have at Carousel, but um, at Cold Iron Pictures, um, I work at Cold Iron Pictures as a development and production exec as well. And even yesterday, so many times I receive um, shorts and you know they want to turn it into a feature and it's a taste or it's something similar. Um, it's really common and it does just show the style. There actually is a film that um, we are working on at Cold Iron Pictures where the short is different um, than the story, but simil similar themes um, and the directing style is going to be the same. So it's a showcase. Um, and we saw the short and picked up um, the script from it. Um, so it, it happens all the time. And I think it is a really good solution because um, if you don't have the financing to make the feature the way you want it to be made, um, if you can make the short and just give a taste of what it will be, I think it is a really good way to, you know, you could also write the script later, but to be able to show that to, you know, producers, to financiers, to agents um, and help put it together. Mm -hmm. So would you recommend the, because I know four filmmakers in the Santa Fe Film Festival, <laughs> my recurring theme here, mm -hmm. um, they, that I talked to this the past uh, couple of weeks, there are four that have these, you know, shorts in there. Um, a couple of them are based on real life, one's based on a novel, and then two are um, also, there are other high concept films. So would that be something that somebody would come to you directly, um, Natalie, or would you see them and say, hey, we wanna help you? If it's um, for distribution at Carousel and they're interested in getting their short distributed already, then they could definitely come to us um, and we could help get it out there. If, um, but I think, you know, they can do multiple things. They can try to do that. And at the same time, if they don't have an agent or a manager, short films are a really good way um, to find and connect with agents and managers who can then help you get the film into the hands of production companies, studios, um, because you know there is the sense of like gatekeepers where it is hard a lot of time to connect to these companies, to get to the development executives if you don't have an agent or manager who knows them um, because a lot of companies can't receive unsolicited submissions right. for legal reasons. I mean, we, we have the same situation um, for sometimes at Cold Iron Pictures, we can't receive something just because it is unsolicited. Um, 
but I think it's a really good way to also start if you do want to make it into a feature to connect with agents and managers to get yourself on the level of having reps who can help make this film mm-hmm. into a feature and connect you. They also, of course, can try to reach out to executives and different people. But um, I mean, there's just so many, so many directions you can go once you have a short. And I think you can explore all of them at once. And it helps to like if you're prepared and saying that this is a proof of concept for a feature that you have and you're prepared with that feature being developed well enough that it's a great um, example of your writing work as well. If you've written it or written it with someone or, or have it or written by someone else, but just that you have that package together that also adds to it. If you're, if your short is executed very well and strong and, mm-hmm. um, and like Natalie said, it doesn't actually have to be exactly as the feature, but if it's even proof mm-hmm. of concept in some way or right. proof of concept directly, like it's a portion of that feature, there's like, there's a, a few different ways to do it. I've seen people do that with great success. Mm-hmm. But you should, you should have your feature script in your pocket, right? if you're there it just depends on where you're at if you are able and have already written then yes definitely um do both but sometimes you know you're still in the process or especially if it is a short that you want to expand it might be more of a conversation um shorts are just such a good way to display your voice and your perspective um there are so many directors that we worked with at Cold Iron where um, we knew we wanted to work with them after watching their shorts. Um, So it's just a really good way to show everyone your style, Um, script or no script. It just depends where you're at and how you start the conversation. What can you do with a short film aside from festivals? Um, I just wrote and produced my first short as Stephanie mentioned before. And our plan was just let it live online because it was essentially a love letter to underrepresented and marginalized communities. Um, It's about a Latina woman who goes on a date. It's going really well. She finds out her partner or the guy she's on the date with is actually on the other side of the political spectrum um, and where you would usually have an uncomfortable and very important conversation about um, representation. Um, instead, she bursts into song, so it turns into kind of like a Hamilton number mm-hmm. with this Latina Disney princess type. Mm-hmm. So it's super fun, and we thought that we would just we would put it out online, and people would love it. Mm-hmm. But we ended up with this really high quality film, um, and now we're like, well, what do we do? So we're starting to submit to festivals, but I think it can have more of an audience for that. But we didn't have a bigger picture or an end game in mind. Um, and I think a lot of uh, first time producers and filmmakers, this can happen to them as well. I've seen it happen a lot in New Mexico too. Um, do you have any advice or insight uh, what we could do with a short film or what are next steps or different avenues you could take? Well, you're doing the right thing by starting to look at other festivals. Um, I think definitely, especially when you're a budding filmmaker, being in these festivals is just a way to get your name out there, to connect with different people. So I would say, especially um, you have all the, you have all the rights to your film, play it in as many festivals as you can, um, because that's just a really good way to spread it. Um, after that, there's a couple things that you could do. It just depends on your intentions. If it is something where you know, you just want as many people to see it as possible. Um, You can put it up on the internet. Um, Or it could be something where you want a lot of people to see it, potentially make a little bit of money back. So also just depends, you know, how much money went into it, if there's financing, different things like that. 
You could immediately though do like an AVOD situation where a lot of people can see it without necessarily spending much money, but you could still make some revenue back. Um, or say it, you know, premieres really well at a ton of festivals. So you think, okay, well, for the first six months or um, short period of time, we're gonna put it up on iTunes for $2.99 or something like that. And then after that time, we'll also put it on AVOD or different things like that. Um, so I think it kind of just starts with a conversation and figuring out um, who you want to see this film, how many, how open you want the film to be, because especially, you know, if it is maybe something about representation or you want as many people to see as possible, you don't want to make it cost so much money that it deters people. Um, but, you know, there's so many ways around it. Um, and I think with shorts, it's just getting it out there, sending it to a lot of film festivals, different organizations that might be interested in it, um, and just kind of getting your voice out there. Yeah, and hopefully winning some awards at those mm -hmm. small film festivals too. You know, mm -hmm. it sounds like it's really fun. I could see it winning audience shorts and stuff. I hope so. Thank you. Well, please send it to us too if you want. Or yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll um, email you guys after it's. Yes. Um, I could use the good breakout and song. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was trying to find Zerb too to try okay. X E R B. Yeah, I will say that it will stick in your head. My son has even was cursing. I can only hear that song now <laughs> and it, but it is catchy. Um, and it's, you know, it's like a pop and um, hip hop kind of uh, vibe. She also has the um, song available. Um, where, so you can download it and just play it all day long and listen to it and sing it's it. It's great. It's great. It's, it's got that kind of really catchy vibe. And in fact, the, fe the festival director for the Santa Fe film festival is like, Oh my gosh, you know, and here's somebody in Santa Fe, that's where Jordan is, you know, a local created this and actually your deadline was, I believe you wanted to have it done for the, before the election, because mm -hmm. it was such an important message. Right. And so she, you know, they just came up with the idea in seven weeks. When you see this, you will be blown away. Seven weeks, including fundraising, start to finish, but the women involved in this film um, our indigenous, she is an indigenous queer director who was also um, a fellow in Sundance um, script writing, I think. Um, and she, her, her producing partner um, won uh, Academy uh, Award um, short film festival, Academy qualifying for Pasole, which was her short. So she, she, Jordan was able to wrangle some amazing talent to help her pull this off. And um, when you see it, it's, you'll, you'll say, why didn't you call me? No, yeah. we were just, go, we were flying by the seat of our pants and it was really like kind of a miracle that we pulled this thing off. But I will say that the, the, the creatives that I had involved, the professionals that who, who chose to be a part of this thing, it was really, it was one of the more, I'm really proud of this project and it was a really touching experience because we walked the walk when we made this film. The whole film is about um, under like marginalized communities and underrepresented um, voices. And our, like I said, our director is queer and indigenous. Um, the creative team behind it, it women of color um, and everyone that we included in the film uh, it's just such a diverse group and I really love it. So I'm hoping we can, we can do something fun with it, but 
we just wanted to make it as a love letter to our community really and didn't have an end game in mind but i know that there's an audience for it so we're figuring it out as we go along and stephanie has been our champion she's helped us with marketing and getting posters together and we're very grateful for her so well after we watch it we should definitely hop on the phone and, and we'll just give you our input too outside of a lot of times too you know it starts as us talking about carousel but we're not always the right home and we are filmmakers and distributors I know I've said it a million times but we usually do just start the conversation of what's the best option and sometimes it's not us sometimes you know we see a film and we're like okay you need to send this to buyers who are larger than us um yeah. but or you know just advice on people to send it to um festivals to take it to so we'll chat but I just first want to see it yeah well I, I think I, I think it's important to have these kind of conversations because you have someone who you know, had a great idea, executed an, a, this film in a short period of time to the level of production value, you'll be blown away because it is so, so well done. But it's one thing to have that creative side and know how to make all those things. And it's another thing to know, you know, to really explore the planning and what are we going to do with it? Because, you know, I saw it and I was like, this needs to go out in festivals. We need to do this with it. And they're like, oh, you know what? They, as Jordan said, we didn't really think about that in the beginning. That's, I mean, it's, that's where it should come from. It should come from an honest, um, an, like an honest artistic, like place of love for you to make something like this. Because again, this business is based in art. So you can feel it when something's made with dishonesty or with intention that, um, lies elsewhere that isn't you know then then the heart of the film usually disappears so and often isn't can't be executed properly and you obviously had a team that came together with that same honest of intention honest intention so then that if that's what you're you're faced with now you need to have like honest conversations about that distribution which i think like for a long time many in or an independent filmmaker still feel like there's a big veil over it. And, and, and it's true. It's because there are gatekeepers and there are, um, you know, we deal with those gatekeepers all the time with our, with our own films. Like it's, everyone is struggling to get your film with the right home. And like Natalie said, we'll be honest with you about whether it should be with us or shouldn't be with us as well too. Um, it's, it's important to have those kind of conversations and make it as transparent and understand the ins and outs of all of the business practices that are going on so that you can find the right home for your film, especially when it's a feature. I mean, with shorts, I know feature shorts have like their own different path as we've discussed, but right. yeah. So do you just work with the finished product? You're, or you're not working with somebody whenever they have their just script only then, right? So you're, you want that them to have it in production. It's not, they're just not shopping the script around. That's not where you get involved, right? For the carousel side, yes, um, because it's distribution. But on the cold iron side, we take projects in many different stages. We've optioned books. We've jumped on at um, the production phase. We've jumped on at the script phase. Um, so on that side, you know, it, it just depends if it's a project or, and a story that we're passionate about. Um, one other quick side note, uh, just to too, I forgot that um, Vimeo also, sometimes if you 
don't have money to aggregate because it does cost money. Um, you can on Vimeo put up a rental. So you could put your short up there and charge 99 cents and then the money goes directly to you. Um, so it's also for any filmmakers who just don't have the funds for aggregations um, or you know are already onto another project. So maybe their short isn't something that they plan to aggregate. Vimeo is a really easy solution because you set it up yourself. You can take it down, you can change the price. Um, we did it with one of our short, shorts from many years ago. Um, and it's just a really handy way um, to make a link that you can charge for and post about. Wonderful. So um, I one last question that just kind of from conversations we've had um, with other folks, we talked to um, the one of the co-founders of Reverie, you know, that OTT mm -hmm. LGBTQT site. Um, and he had mentioned that they offer non-exclusive. So they will take your content, won't, you know, take your rights away. Are those uh, good options for filmmakers? Uh, if it's non-exclusive, um, I mean, I think always, you know, start with the big picture. What are your goals? Um, and don't take a step that will knock you out of taking the next step. Um, so, you know, I think non-exclusive options are easier ones. Um, it depends too. I mean, if you are trying to sell um, to a larger company before you go to aggregation, um, I would wait um, before you send your film anywhere because a lot of times they want the exclusive rights. But if you're at the stage where you're going to piece it out and do some type of aggregation, um, you know, non-exclusive is a safer version um, just because you're not tied into, okay, well, it's here, so we can't put it here. Right. Um, so I think just, you know, taking you have to have a plan. Yeah, mapping it out and just don't ever take a step that's going to stop you from taking the next one. Um, so think it all through, talk to people. We're always here for conversations um, and just want to help people do the right thing. But yeah, that site is incredible. Um, I think if we, you know, we would definitely put, uh, suggest people putting our films up there as well too, if, if mm -hmm. it's the right um, fit. Great. Well, um, we are going to definitely um, share this and also an article on um, a, an accompaniment with this and contact information, but we're also going to put it up on our um, New Mexico um, resource website for filmmakers. Um, we do a weekly web uh, meetups and, and what have you, and we get a lot of questions from, you know, um, people looking for help. And this mm -hmm. has been an education. So wonderful for you. Thank you. Um, to take time to share, you know, de or demystify or try to demystify <laughs> yeah. film distribution because, you know, it's one thing to make it, it's another thing to get people to see it. And that is mm -hmm. just as important because mm -hmm. why did you make it, right? It's a confusing process. So, I mean, we're always a phone call away. We have lots and lots of phone calls um, with different filmmakers. So, we're always happy to chat, depend no matter where it is in the process. Great. Well, I appreciate it. Um, and we want to whoa, thank you, um, Lindsay and Natalie, for joining us from the Film Arcade. Um, and stay safe. And we will uh, hopefully be working with you on Jordan's film and any other <laughs> films that we uh, come across um, that need help with distribution. So um, I'm excited to hear what you guys think. So thank you again, and thanks, thanks for your for time. Having us. Yep. All right. And thank you for joining us today for In the Room With. 
uh, be sure to subscribe and like our content and be and tell your friends so they can be as educated as we hope uh, you were today. Thank you. Take Bye. care. Bye. Bye. -bye.